Our scripture reading this morning is from the book of Acts, chapter 9, beginning in verse 17. Acts 9, 17. And Ananias went his way and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once, and he arose and was baptized. So when he had received food, he was strengthened, and Saul spent some days with the disciples at Damascus. Immediately he preached the Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Then all who heard were amazed and said, Is this not he who destroyed those who called on his name in Jerusalem and has come here for that purpose, so that he might bring them bound to the chief priests? But Saul increased all the more in strength and confounded the Jews who dwelt in Damascus, proving that this Jesus is the Christ. Now after many days were passed, the Jews plotted to kill him. But their plot came known to Saul, and they watched the gates day and night to kill him. Then the disciples took him by night and let him down through the wall in a large basket. Always good to be together on the first day of the week, and we are so glad that we have this blessing and opportunity that God has given us this morning. We are indeed thankful for His providential care and His love for us each and every day, and today is again no different. So we are so thankful that we are able to be together as brothers and sisters in Christ to worship God and now open up God's Word and study from it, and hope that you have your Bibles open to uh, Acts chapter 9 as we're going to be studying from that text this morning in Acts the ninth chapter. As we just had in our reading with Paul's initial conversion, or Saul of Tarsus, or the Apostle Paul, as he would later be known as, and some of the challenges that he faced. But I want you to just stop and think and reflect upon your own conversion to Christ. Do you remember the day that you were baptized. You remember the joy and the sense of excitement and the zeal that you felt and how you were so overwhelmed with those feelings that were so uh, encouraging and warm that you wanted to just share all of that experience with other people. You wanted to tell people that your sins had been forgiven, that Jesus Christ died for you, that God in His grace and His mercy, He loved you. And that there is no more guilt, there's no more burden of sin, there's grace and forgiveness in Jesus Christ. And if you have been a Christian for a short amount of time, then you probably still experience those feelings. The challenge is, after you've been a Christian for a great number of years... Sometimes we can lose that joy. We can lose that excitement. We can become cynical. We can become hardened. Because that zeal has been battle-tested. Maybe we've lost some of those emotions that we once had. And as a church, as a congregation, we oftentimes concentrate our efforts in helping Christians grow and mature 
in their faith. But I think sometimes what can end up happening is we lose sight of having new converts around and the, the zeal that they can provide us with. The excitement and the sense of purpose and mission that they can help add and supplement within the context of a local congregation of God's people. And this morning, this lesson, I designed it for new converts. So if you're a relatively new Christian, I will let you classify yourself wherever you want to because it's not based on age and it's usually, sometimes it's not even based on how many years you have been a Christian. Because I find that there are maybe people who have been Christians for 15 or 20 years that they would still probably consider themselves and classify themselves as a new convert. And so you can take care of the classification of where you might place yourself uh, this morning. But this lesson is designed for new converts. And I want it to help show you the benefit of being a new convert. Some of the things that you can do to be useful in the service of the kingdom of Christ and of God. But I also want you to see some of the challenges that come along with being a new convert. Because I think sometimes that might help give us a sober reality of the things that we might face. But if you're if you think, okay, well, I've I've been a Christian for twenty plus years. I don't. I'm not a new convert. I can take a nap. Nope, that's not what you get to do this morning. Because this lesson is also for you. Because I want you to think, I want you to be challenged this morning. I want you to think back on your conversion and then I want you to see what you are doing or what you are not doing. I want you to see if you have grown and progressed to the point that the New Testament shows us that we need to be desiring to become in our growth and our progress for the Lord. And sometimes we need that reality check as to make sure that we are growing and maturing just as we ought to, and that we are still as excited, we still have the same fervor and the same love for the Lord. In our Bible study this morning in the adult class, Rex, I think, pointed out that one of the problems that we saw in the Gospel of Matthew with the Pharisees, they hadn't lost their first love. That's something that can happen to us over time. And we need to think about that because that is a possibility that we all face if we've been a a Christian for any number of years. And sometimes we need to think back on the earlier days of being a new convert of Christ. You think about the Apostle Paul and some of his monikers. In the book of Philemon, it's a short little letter that Paul writes to, uh, to Philemon. And he's writing about this man named Onesimus, and he calls Onesimus his child. But he calls Paul, as he's writing this letter, he calls himself Paul the aged. And I love that description of Paul as he is nearing the end of his life, as he has grown older as a Christian. He describes himself as the aged one, the aged Paul. And you think about the Apostle John in 2nd and 3rd John, he refers to himself as John the Elder. 
You think about Paul the Apostle or, or John the Apostle and some of the monikers and the names that we use, especially for Saul of Tarsus, that has a lot of the association with Paul as a persecutor of the church before. Paul the Apostle, Paul the Aged. But one thing that I think we need to identify Paul as is the convert. Paul the new convert. And here in Acts chapter 9, after he was baptized by Ananias, and he began to take his strength again after several days of being blind and without food, it is interesting to see what he began to do. And I think there are some lessons here for us that we can take away for ourselves, that we can be benefited by if we would follow in Paul the convert's example. And the first thing is what Paul did was he became a teacher. He became a teacher. The new convert became a teacher. That may seem a little odd to us if we have been in the church for any number of years. Sometimes we have this attitude that, well, you're a new convert, so you need to sit back. You need to take a back seat and you need to listen and you just need to learn before you do anything. But that's not what Paul did, is it? In Acts chapter 9 and in verse 18, it says, And immediately, and that's something that Luke is usually good about doing to emphasize something, the, the word immediately. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. And continuing on in verse 19, Now for several days he was with the disciples who were at Damascus, and immediately he began to proclaim Jesus in the synagogue, saying, He is the Son of God. Paul says, or it says here, Luke tells us that Paul immediately began to preach. After he was converted, after he became a Christian, here is someone who immediately got busy. He got plugged in. He got busy doing the work that he was called to do. He was preaching the message about Jesus as the divine Son of God. The fact that he had been denying for so long. And it says in verse 22, but Saul kept increasing in strength and confounding the Jews who lived at Damascus by proving that this Jesus is the Christ. You know, when we are first become a Christian, when we are a new convert, when we are a new babe in Christ, that is a prime time. That is a prime opportunity where you are ready to just take off and explode in growth. And that is something that I think we need to take advantage of much more often. If you've ever been around a child, a newborn baby, very much, then you know that nearly every single day, especially in that first year of life, that child is learning something new each and every day. Like every day, there's something new that the child picks up on and that you as a parent or as a grandparent, that you see that growth and you see that child getting stronger and developing in their, in their personhood. 
Well, after we become a Christian, it is much like that, that we have so much opportunity to grow and that we can learn something new each and every day. But we need to be ready to begin using that growth. We need to use that as a time in which we say, okay, I'm going to learn, but now as I learn, I'm going to also share what I learn. I'm going to teach others. I'm going to do something to help others. I'm going to share this message. And Paul, he, was, he understood that he was supposed to be working for the Lord. In Acts chapter 9, as the Lord appeared to Ananias, uh, before Ananias uh, and, and Paul met, it says there in verse 15, But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. There's a couple of things there for us that I want us to hone in on. And the first thing is, is that Paul was designated to get to work. God chose him to get busy. The second thing, and we're going to talk about it this morning, is that there are going to be some things that Paul had to suffer. There are going to be some things that Paul had to go through. We're going to talk about both of those things. But the first thing I want us to see is that Paul had to get busy. In the book of 1 Timothy, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, Paul would write to Timothy and he would tell him in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and in verse 11, he would tell him, According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God with which I have been entrusted, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because He considered me faithful, putting me into service. Even though I was formerly a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent aggressor, yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And just stop right there. And you see that Paul, he's, he sees this sense that God, even though I was the worst of the worst, even though that's what I once was, God still was capable of putting me into a position of where I could serve. And that's something that I've seen among many people, sadly. Or they say, I've just done too many evil things. I've done too much bad. I've done too much harm. And so I can't do this. I'm disqualified from doing that. No. That's not how Paul saw it. Paul saw it that I have done this. And as he would go on in verse 14, and the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost Jesus Christ might demonstrate His perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in Him for eternal life. Paul, what he's saying is that because of God's grace, it was more than abundant to forgive and that God has released me of that guilt and now I am in a situation to work and serve in the kingdom. 
Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and in verse 10, But by the grace of God I am what I am, and His grace toward me did not prove vain, but I labored even more than all of them. Yet not I, but the grace of God with me. God's grace became a motivation for him. That he perhaps felt unworthy. Maybe he had to battle some of those thoughts. But he was thankful for God's grace and for making him an apostle. And that pushed him to serve more. He used that as a source of motivation. And those who are converted to Christ, they need to be encouraged. We need to seek opportunity to help them find a place and a way in which they can get busy as soon as we possibly can. To help them get busy teaching and sharing God's Word. In the book of Hebrews, in Hebrews chapter 5, the Hebrew writer shows us something that if we prolong that for too long, where we don't get them plugged in and involved in the work, then what happens? He says in, in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 12, For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. And if we sit idly for too long, it becomes extremely difficult to develop teachers in the church. And maybe someone's not ready or, or feels equipped to preach a sermon or teach a Bible class. But new converts can share the message of Jesus with others in an enthusiastic way. And we need to encourage them to start helping bring people to the Lord. I have a friend of mine who preaches in Canada. And he has been preaching there. He helped establish a church in Kingston, Ontario several years ago. And they're a small group. And they have struggled to grow numerically in, in some of the societal kinds of reasons as you might expect being in, in that country. But they have always had maybe between 10 and 20 people there. And the past couple of years have been more on the 10 side of things than the 20 side. And then, of course, with some of the difficulties that they have had to face with COVID and those situations that they've had to adjust because of the government requirements and things that have limiting groups and churches that could meet and things of that nature. It's been a hard time for them as a congregation. But... Back in the spring, my friend, he met a fella and he taught him the gospel and he obeyed the gospel. And that person then told another friend of his. And what ended up happening, you had six baptisms as a result of that one conversion. All within a span of about two months. 
To say that the church nearly doubled in size is not an exaggeration. That's what new converts can add to a local church. It can help them become teachers and we can encourage them to share God's Word. And it doesn't have to wait. It's not like you have to be a Christian for so long before you can do this. You can become a teacher immediately as we learn from Paul and his example. A second thing that we see that Paul went through, as we alluded to, is that he was going to suffer. And he was forced to escape persecution. In verse in Acts chapter 9 and verse 23, it says, When many days had elapsed, the Jews plotted together to do away with him. But their plot became known to Saul. They were also watching the gates day and night so that they might put him to death. But his disciples took him by night and let him down through an opening in the wall, lowering him in a large basket. That was the first occasion. Then Paul goes to Jerusalem, and guess what he begins doing? He begins speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. And it says in verse 29, and he was talking and arguing with the Hellenistic Jews, but they were attempting to put him to death. But when the brethren learned of it, they brought him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus. Not just once, but twice in just about what ten verses or so. In a very short period of time when Paul had just become a Christian. In a very volatile moment where he might be weak or where he might be easily tempted to go back to his former way of living. What happens? Things aren't easy for him. Things are difficult for him. He used to be the one killing Christians. He used to be the one who was overseeing or throwing them in prison. But now he himself is suffering on account of his faith. That can be a challenging thing for someone to go through. That can be an extremely challenging moment. Talk about a test for a new Christian, for a babe in Christ. For someone to face that kind of intense persecution where their life is threatened, I can say with confidence that I have never had my life threatened to preach the Gospel. I've never had that. And I hope that if that if it came to that, that I would have the courage to continue to stand and preach. But I've never faced that kind of persecution. But Paul, within just days or months of his conversion to Christ, he began to face that kind of persecution. But contrary to what people may preach on TV, Jesus warned that following Him, being a disciple, takes a commitment. That was something Paul learned very quickly. In Acts chapter 14, he said in verse 22, 
and he went about strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And he said that after he had picked himself up from being stoned and left for dead. And he's telling people, hey, keep your chin up. Continue in the faith. Because this is how it is. It would be nice that if after you became a Christian, you were guaranteed an easy life, wouldn't it? be so nice. But if I had told you that your life was going to be easy after becoming a Christian, I'd be a lying to you. Because Jesus told us in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34, Do not think that I came to bring peace on the earth. I do not come to bring peace but a sword. For I came to set a man against his father and a daughter against her mother and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be the members of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. He who has found his life will lose it, and he who has lost his life for my sake will find it. Jesus is warning us that the people that we used to count as friends or family, they might become our own enemies. Discipleship means taking up your cross. It means being willing to go to the bitter end where we must die to sin and we must also be forced to, to show our loyalty to Christ even until death, if it, can, it comes to that. And it's interesting that as Paul would continue on in his life, at the end of his life, as he was writing 2 Timothy chapter 4, he would put his death in terms of a sacrifice. Here he was, he was imprisoned in Rome and his life was about to end. He was on death row. And he says that I'm being poured out as a drink offering, a sacrifice for God. The new convert had to learn some very difficult lessons early on. Becoming a Christian and being a new convert is not always easy. And instead of thinking of that our life is going to be easy, we might have to reframe our thinking that after we become a Christian, we are now entering the war. That we're entering a battle. And it's going to be a battle that goes to the very end of our life. It's going to be a war that we're engaged in against Satan and his forces and how he is seeking to turn us away. And he, one of the ways that he will do that, one of the primary ways that he will do that is through sending persecution against us. But... You know, maybe if you're like me, you almost you're, you're not surprised that 
people who reject Christ and reject the Gospel, you're not completely surprised that they would persecute you. Right? You would almost kind of expect that. But where you might be surprised is whenever there are Christians who question you. And Christians who doubt you. And that was something else that Paul had to overcome. He had to overcome doubters from among the church. In Acts chapter 9, it's just interesting as we just set this up a little bit. Acts chapter 9 and in verse 1, Now Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the to the synagogues at Damascus, so that if he found any belonging to the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. That is how Paul was known. His reputation preceded him. In the book of Galatians, in Galatians chapter 1, and in verse 23, after Paul was converted and began preaching the gospel, this is what people said, that he is the one who once persecuted us. But he is now preaching the faith which he once tried to destroy. That would have probably thrown some people for a loop. His role and his reputation as a persecutor was obviously going to stick with him. And by the time he is converted after his baptism, he comes to Jerusalem in verse 26. And it says in verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate or join the disciples. But they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. They were afraid, okay, what's this new trick that Saul has up his sleeve here? They were puzzled by his so-called conversion. That, okay... This guy who used to persecute Christians and throw us in jail or even oversee our death. Now, why is he wanting to join with us? This must be a plot, right? This must be some kind of of trap that he is trying to come in and be accepted and he's going to try and come in and kill us just first by befriending us. Make us lower our guard. And that was Paul's introduction to the church at Jerusalem. Can you imagine wanting to come to place membership in a local congregation and then having that as the response? Usually you would think most churches and most Christians would be glad to see you. Yes, We're so thankful you're here. We are excited you want to work with us. (laughs) That wasn't Paul's uh, entry into the church there in Jerusalem. And one of the things that I think is difficult for many people, especially new converts, is whenever they are doubted, their sincerity is questioned, or their motives 
are thought down upon. And that can squash a new convert's desire to serve God. When we become a Christian, people may question us, though. That's reality. Christians may even question our motives or sincerity. Well, why did they obey the gospel? Why did they become a Christian? Why did they want to come here to church with us? Couldn't they go down the road? Couldn't they go to somewhere else? We cannot allow those kinds of things to discourage us as a new convert. Because we have to remember that ultimately... Our faith is in Christ, not people. And something that Paul had to learn very quickly was that Christians can disappoint you. Christians can be a source of discouragement for you. That was something that Paul was going to continue to see in the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 2, when Paul was describing how he was contending for the gospel that it could be preached to Gentiles. And he talks about how Cephas or Peter, he came to Antioch and how Paul had to oppose an apostle to his face because Peter was wrong. Have you ever known a Christian to be wrong about something? You probably have. And that can be very discouraging especially to someone who is young or fragile in their faith. And they see someone who they ought to be able to trust. Peter, an apostle. Paul's like, no, I had to oppose him. Face to face. He says in verse 13, the rest of the Jews joined him in hypocrisy with the result that even Barnabas was carried away by their hypocrisy. Paul had been on preaching trips with Barnabas. Barnabas was a friend of Paul when Paul had no friends. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Even Barnabas, you can just hear the sorrow in that. And we may have people who doubt us. We may have people who question our motives. And as a Christian, as a new convert, we're going to have to be prepared for that. That may be one of the challenges that we face. Where we see someone who is a member of the church, or maybe they've been a member of the church for 40 or 50 years, and we're going to see them and they're going to say something and it's going to bother us and it's going to maybe make us angry or upset. And we're going to then be tempted to say, okay, that's it, I'm gone. If they can't live the life, then I'm not going to even try. We've all probably encountered something like that. But people are going to disappoint. There are going to be Christians who disappoint you. I might disappoint you. We need to overcome those doubts and we not, need to not let those things cause us to turn away. 
Because we are a servant of the King. And we need to be willing to serve and live for Him. And then finally, this morning, one of the things that one of the things that just amazes me about Paul and his conversion is that as soon as he came to Jerusalem, he wanted to join with the disciples, it says. In verse 26, when he came to Jerusalem, he was trying to associate with the disciples, but they were all afraid of him, not believing that he was a disciple. But Barnabas took hold of him and brought him to the apostles and described to them how he had seen the Lord on the road and that he had talked to him and how at Damascus he had spoken out boldly in the name of Jesus. After becoming a Christian, the Lord adds you to the universal church. But then there is a principle here that Paul sets forth by example, and that is we need to join a local congregation. And in spite of the early opposition and the doubters, what did Paul do? He had a friend, Barnabas. He came to him and he said, this guy is genuine. This guy is the real thing. He is sincere and you can believe him. And so what the people did because of Barnabas... and in large part, verse 28, it says that he was with them, that is, Paul, moving about freely in Jerusalem, speaking out boldly in the name of the Lord. The people in the church there in Jerusalem, they supported Paul, and they were, yes, we accept you. Have you ever wondered why you need to be a member of a local church? Have you ever stopped to ask that question, why is it important to be a member of of a local congregation and why that is even necessary? I believe there are several reasons that we could talk about. We don't have, this could be a whole sermon in and of itself. Maybe it will one day. But it gives you a place to serve, it gives you a place to use your talents and to develop your abilities. Being in a local church, it gives you a place and an avenue in which you are able to be a servant and work for the Lord. That's so important. And I think that's something that is lost on many people, sadly. But it is something that we need in our life. We need a place and we need a way in which we can serve others and put others first and put our, think of ourselves second. It also gives us a place to encourage people and to be encouraged. That we have an opportunity to come together and we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but that we need to come and be with each other. And if you don't see your fellow Christians, then how can you be encouraged by them? Much less, how can you encourage them if you're not here to see them? The local church, it gives you a place to grow in which we are trying to all grow towards the example of Jesus Christ. Another thing that being in a local church does, it gives you a place to submit. It gives you 
a place where you can submit yourself to godly leaders. Those who are qualified men who are seeking to lead and care for your souls. And you can entrust your soul to them. And you can submit to them and follow their lead. And then eventually, if you will be a member of a local church, it will give you a place to lead. And one of the qualifications for elders in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 6, it says that they are not to be a novice. It's not to be a new convert. Because once you are part of a local church, you are expected to grow. And you can grow into a position of leadership. And then, of course, it gives you accountability. We all recognize that we might sin and we might stumble from time to time. And we need a brother or a sister to come and lovingly correct us. And if we're an island or a church to ourselves, and we don't have others that might be watching for us, helping us be accountable, then we're missing out on something that's so valuable and so important. And if we are avoiding placing membership somewhere with a local church, you're hiding from that accountability and the love that Christians want to give you. That Christians want to help you get to heaven. And you're missing out on that. And one of the best and one of the most important things that you can do after you become a Christian is to be sure that you place membership with a local congregation because your soul might depend on it. But also something else that I think you need to think about is not just your soul. Someone else's soul might be depending on you being there to encourage and help them grow. Or you can lead somebody else. Becoming a Christian can present new challenges along with wonderful opportunities. And I think we need to find ways to help new converts become a part of the local church. We need to help them become engaged so that they can be ready to work. We need to edify them so that they can grow and mature and that they can become an integral part of the local church. This morning, if you have been a Christian for some time, I would encourage you to develop empathy for new Christians in their development and growth. It means we may have to be patient with them. But we also need to reflect on whether we have been growing and if we have been maturing as we are supposed to. Because we're all in this together. We're all seeking that heavenly home. This morning, if you are not yet a Christian, we would encourage you to become a child of God. To come to be baptized in water, to have your sins washed away. Or you can become a child of God. And the Lord can add you to His church. You can become a part of a local church, this local church even. Or you can become an active and a thriving member, growing to be more and more like Jesus. But if your life is, if you began your walk with the Lord, but you've turned away from Him, 
and you've not been living faithfully for Him, if you've turned back to sin, we would encourage you to come back to Christ today. To come seeking God's mercy and seek His forgiveness once again. He's willing to extend it if you will but repent, confess those things, and pray that He might forgive you. We're here to help you and encourage you in whatever way we can. If you are subject to the invitation, we encourage you to come as we stand and as we sing.